0: Welcome to the War Room. Ryan right here. As always, it's so good of you to join us. And today we have an interesting topic Don't Go to College. And I have a lot of thoughts about this book, um, which I have completed. I had read about half of it during the interview. Um, but I want you to enjoy the interview. So let's do that first. Before we do that, I should say. Let me ask you for a five-second favor to hit that five-star review button or share it with a friend if you enjoy it. Okay, before going further, let me mention that there is a little bit of popping in this episode. We were trying out a new service or an old service that I thought had gotten better, and it didn't work, so we're not using that anymore. This will be the last episode with that service, and so um, apologies about the popping. Hope you can bear with us. Okay, uh, Don't Go to College, A Case for Revolution came out August 2nd. And we have on Michael Robillard to talk about that book. Uh, Timothy Gordon was scheduled to join us, but couldn't make it that day. So anyways, um, check it out and let me know what you think, of course, in the newsletter. We'll talk after the podcast. Dr. Robillard, welcome to The War Room.
1: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Okay, so you have a book titled or co-authored, you You've a book, as we mentioned in, in the introduction, Don't Go to College, A Case for Revolution. Um, give me the genesis of this book.
1: Yeah, so the, the genesis of this book started really, I would say, all the way in myself back in I don't know, 2017 or so, when I was a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Oxford. And I made the, the foolish attempt to try to give a public talk about some of what I saw to be some of the pretty obvious logical contradictions and inconsistencies with the transgender movement and and the ideological commitments of transgenderism in in general. And, uh, I was told by my colleagues not to do this, that this would be something that we, we would lose funding. Uh, we would need a higher security, you know, we, we'd lose donors. And, um, for me, that was the first time in my academic career I, I hit hit a guardrail where I realized, oh, academia really isn't about free thought. There, you know, there's there are, are limits, uh, you know, pretty pretty hard limits as to, to what ideologically people can talk about. Uh, so that left me disenchanted, and over the next couple of years, I ended up drifting further away from academia to the point where I got out last year, and I wrote an article on Substack called uh, How I Left Academia or How Academia Left Me, uh, at about this same time, my co-author, Tim Gordon, uh, the summer before, he had been canceled by, canceled by folks in his town uh, and uh, fired from a job because he critiqued Black Lives Matter on uh, Twitter. Uh, So we ended up kind of crossing paths on the internet, you know, both being dissident, uh, ostracized academics, and uh, we teamed up and decided that, you know, we we need to um, call attention to just how how pernicious this ideology is, how you know wokeism is taking over the universities, and you know we're just trying to sound the alarm.
0: Right, and so I guess one of the things as I was reading through this book is there's there's this talk about kind of. Um, you know, the problem with college, but I would say, well, yes, of course, there's a problem with college, but there's also a problem with larger things like licensing boards and things like that, um, that we're pushing people to college. Um, and so we've kind of created this funnel where it's it's, it's a necessity that's in, in the necessity to go to college um, through these licensing boards um, is really it's really an elitist, uh, an elitist type mentality. We're trying to keep certain people out. We're creating false periods of entry uh, Here in Texas, where I'm at, to have a real estate brokerage, you had to have basically a four-year degree. Uh, it, it's, it's quite ludicrous. Um, and I can go through plenty of other examples. So what are your thoughts on licensing boards?
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. It's um, college and, and licensing boards more, more generally. Yeah, it's, it's become... Cr- getting the credentialing certificate has somehow... Become more important than the knowledge or the skill or the expertise itself, and I think that's that's a, a huge problem that that has occurred uh, within academia and colleges uh, and it, within the culture more generally, independent of this this the the wokeism uh, element. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Somehow we, we've got our means and our ends flipped, and mm. you know, rather than trying to produce. Competent experts. Uh, now it's the, the credentialing certificate is the thing that's, that supersedes the actual knowledge or expertise.
0: Right. And so for someone like myself, I went to public school. I'm a college dropout. I never finished college. Um, you know, my kids now are, are not public school. We would never send them to public school. Um, when you talk about this issue of college, it seems maybe in the conservative circles this might resonate. Um, but again, you go back one step further to this public school, and you do you do address this in the book, some. Um, mm-hmm. this idea of sending your kids to any school without thought, and, and I'm not saying that in um some parents obviously will move, you know, maybe from one neighborhood to another to kind of redistrict, but to not think about the implications of where you're sending your kid from a young age really pushes them forward into where they will end up at college and then postgraduate life.
1: Certainly, certainly. Yeah. I mean, we're almost what we're advancing is it's the the 2.0 version of the homeschooling movement that has emerged in response to how pernicious the K through 12 public education system is. So it doesn't make sense, I think, for parents to homeschool their children only, and to keep them from from the pernicious ideologies within the public school, only then to send them off to a woke college and and have All that, all that learning and virtue, uh, destroyed or, or dismantled.
0: So, so, how has this message been received um, by conservatives at large, and uh, maybe progressives or or left leaning individuals?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a good question. I, I was on, I was uh, invited on Tucker Carlson today several months ago. He had uh, heard about the the book project and invited me on and. Uh, We had a wonderful conversation and he he's been banging this drum for years. So uh, he he very much thinks that the the colleges went south somewhere in the sixties and uh, the folks should, should opt out of it get into the trades and start big families. So, so he was all on board with it. Obviously his fan base is going to be on board with it. Uh, And as far as, what i've received from from followers and, and tim Gordon, my co-authors received from followers a, a lot of folks are are really really uh supportive that, that we're calling attention to this uh and then even like you said may, maybe a- anti-woke liberals like like Pierre bogosian for instance he, he's the the epistemologist that that quit portland state university and he, he's one of the co-founders of the, the new university of Austin that they're starting up well with elon musk and rogan's money even he's on board with this you know he he's he's an atheist liberal but he he sees the the need to really to to start building new academic institutions from the ground up as opposed to giving any further fuel to to these 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 pernicious like legacy institutions
0: yeah and maybe this is a misread on my part but i had on a gentleman the other day and he is talking about the pornography you know epidemic whatever you want to call it amongst men and uh long story short my my comment to him was is why are we letting children on instagram right so if you're worried about pornography then why you let your kids on instagram um because that's obviously just you're just it's just it's just for some pictures it's just you know a centimeter away from seeing the whole thing Um, right (laughs) so and so the same thing what i find with with um um one of the problems i have with maybe the conservative movement at large is there is this this desire it seems to be connected to society at large whether it's a harvard or a yale or to be on instagram uh and to not actually get to the root which is saying hey listen you know we can it's, it's quite obvious to anyone that you know harvard and yale are left leaning and you can we can talk about how far left they are that's just quite obvious um yep. but still in conservative circles if we get a harvard grad like hey look our our person and, and it's like Conservatives have to learn if they're going to make ground. I think to be considered maybe the outcast or, or the, the 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 small guy or whatever, uh, and to be a little bit of a, a fuddy duddy, uh, and to really push back on some of these things because they're. I don't I don't know if conservatives as, as a whole are ready to actually do what it takes to win some of these battles. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that's a, that's a very very good point. Yeah, it's like you know we, we sort of have one one foot on the shore, one foot in the boat. And still want to to uh, to pat ourselves on the back or, or, or to to you know acknowledge sort of the, the the importance of these these credentialing institutions. But yeah, you look at something look at look at the Amish or the, the Mormon communities or the Mennonites or or Muslims in Dearborn, Michigan. I mean they're they're not trying to fit in with the culture. They're, they're building their own thing from the ground up, as opposed to trying to, to meet this halfway thing, either, either on social media or, or with mainstream institutions. They're, they're just building their own thing. And I think more and more, you're going to start seeing conservatives have having to, to do these types of things out of necessity. Uh Benedict option, obviously, is, is the, I think that the, the person calling, calling the, calling the ethic uh, out the most
0: yeah yeah I do think you're you're right there. I think that maybe the progressive liberal movement understands better um, what it takes to win some of these battles than the conservative movement the conservative movement seems to be torn over what issues to fight when to fight them. Um, yes. and so where does college rank? Obviously this is your your area of expertise, but in the important things from a conservative standpoint, where is college at? is it the the hill to die on or is it like hey you, you know we're trying to be preventive here where does it rank?
1: on our On our view, we think it's the the, the brain of all of the cultural institutions. Yes. Mm. You know, I mean the the leftists, Gramsci and Company, you know they, they had the, the slow march through the institutions for the, for the last ninety years. Mm. And, you know they they specifically picked government, media, military, family, education, law, medicine. As the institutions to subvert and to take over, and but you look at where where's the font? Where is the birthplace of these pernicious ideas? Where are they where are they all stemming from? And it's it's academia, it, it's the ivory tower. That this is where there's more and more bizarre leftist ideas being generated ex nihilo each and every year and it gets weirder and more bizarre and more pernicious and more vicious each year and then it trickles out into media into government into law into medicine and this is where we're trying to within the book we're trying to point out this isn't just a book for would-be college students or parents of would-be college students. This is really a book for any conservative that is concerned about the culture at large, because the brain of all of the, the six or seven or eight major cultural institutions is the ivory tower. And, and that needs to be the place where conservatives focus upon, as opposed to getting in into these, these fine-grained policy debates in in the beltway. I mean, those are important, but I think it's it's misplaced. It's it's still attending to symptoms and and not root causes. And I think one of the major root causes is is.
0: So I had on a progressive YouTuber, uh goes by the name of Destiny, but uh Stevens is his real name. Anyways, and and he said one of the biggest concerns that he has is um losing faith in our institutions in America. And he thinks that that's you know we shouldn't try to undermine that necessarily. Um, but if you take what you're saying and you kind of push it out, which is these big institutions, you know, Harvard, Yale, et cetera, et cetera, they are pushing out the, the leaders in these think tanks and, and the government. Um, should we be concerned about the institutions and undermining institutions? How should we balance that view out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, there is a wary of, I think the institutions are gone. I think that academia in particular, academia is, um, maybe about two years one and a half years ahead of the rest of the culture i think i in 2013 i was at the ground ground zero of a talk on microaggressions no one had even heard of it is maybe about 2015 2016 is when that hit the the mainstream so everything that you see in academia uh it trickles out into the rest of the institutions later and uh that's why i think we need we need full-scale parallelism uh, across the board with academia first, but then, then you know, alternative media, alternative banking, alternative internet. Uh, and you're starting to see uh, th- these things coming together bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't... I, I just don't know if we're at a point where the, the institutions can can be recovered, especially when you're dealing with people that they're not interested in debate. They're not interested... You know, they they've... They uh, they climbed up the ladder and pulled the ladder up behind them. And, uh, you know, I, I there's no way that I could even. Get onto a, a campus to debate any of these folks about gender ideology or, or critical race theory at all. They would just say he's a fascist, don't give him any air. So it's like how you know, how do we even have a functioning academia if the presupposition is that words are violence?
0: Yeah. And you talk about this in the books, um, you know, this intersectionality and CRT and um, I, th- there's a big debate, it seems, um, about what CRT, what CRT, Sc- CRT scholars say versus what's actually being reported in, um, you know, on the ground. And for me, it's kind of a boot point because it doesn't really matter what the scholars are saying because the people on the ground thinking something different um, no. Then that's the kind of acting. But what is your read on that? Do you think that ideas that are being pushed from the top um, are actually transmitted uh, properly through the chains or do they kind of get lost as they get to the student level or the common person level?
1: Probably both. Uh, I think I, I reject the premises of Crenshaw and Kendi uh, and this, this unrelenting egalitarian ethic in general on first principles. And then I think the more uh, muddled, uh, Fidelity of that when that it gets down to, to the student level. I, I think that that's obviously I, I reject that as well. So both the in principle and and even the the um, the less sophisticated versions of it, uh, I, I, I have a strong argument against both. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's my answer to that.
0: OK, one of the things in the book that I, I did want to spend some time on is you talk about the Big Bang Theory, which I, I found an interesting I have some questions on. It. So maybe unpack why you include the Big Bang theory in the book, and then let's uh, go from there.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, this is really it, it's to highlight the greater point of how it is that so-called the, the STEM fields and, and science in general, which is is presumed to be, you know, politically and ideologically neutral. The point behind this is to, to show how throughout history particularly in the 20th century particularly with the the three big tyrannies of the 20th century be nazism maoism and, and stalinism in each of these regimes the the objective science became handmaiden to the political ideology in one way or the other uh and we highlight uh, in particular within uh stalinist russia when there were Uh, you know, evidence or or arguments in favor of the Big Bang theory, which would uh, vindicate notions of of ex nihilo creation as opposed to uh, a finite uh, uh, world model. Uh, That ran contrary to the the Soviet science uh, and the entire Soviet atheist project. Uh, So that was uh, any literature or any ideas... Uh, that might be intimating at at theism or intimating at a um, uh, an unmoved mover uh, that was violently suppressed within the Soviet Union. Uh, so we we you know we point this out to to alert the reader that. Who thinks? Oh well, you know, I'll just send my student to college, and they'll just do STEM and and you know what uh, mathematics and science. Like clearly, that can't be laden with ideological uh, or or um, uh, political elements. And so, well, one, it history has shown that it obviously has happened, as evidenced by what we we just mentioned. And two, uh, if you look into math science engineering and and, um um mathematics uh within the um a lot of universities there is a tinge of wokeism that is creeping in there as well to the point where they'll say logic and mathematics is racist uh so really that's that's the point of invoking uh the the history of the big bang theory being suppressed in soviet russia is, is to make this larger point that stem is not at all immune to, to ideological subversion.
0: Okay. But then you might say to that, well, in the West, a big bang theory has been used to erode this Christianity. You, you make a big point about Christianity. That's the book. Big bang right. theory been tied to Darwin, Darwinism uh, mm-hmm. to erode Christianity in the West. And so right. um, it's not, and, and we can debate, we can talk about how the, the validity of the big bang in a second, if we want to, but, mm-hmm. but it's not entirely clear to me that, that, that what they're, what I get what they were doing. Uh, and why they're doing it and i get the corruption thing but it's not entirely clear to me that that big bang theory is is a holistic good in of itself
1: right yeah yeah i agree i mean this is this is uh within the um within the catholic world yeah there's there's this you know ongoing debate between you know whether um whether uh uh, Big Bang or creationist uh, first principles uh, can accord with one another. You know, you have your, your theistic evolutionists and then you have your uh, folks like um, uh, Hugh Owen, I guess, would probably be the, the main person out there uh, who started the uh, Colby Center, uh, who's a, a young earth uh, a Catholic. So uh, you, 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 there is that fissure within, within the Catholic space o- over this particular issue. Uh, but I guess at the very least, Big Bang does accord with theism, and uh, the Soviets did not, yeah, did not like that very much.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, though, that what I would want to push back there, um, is whether you're Big Bang, Young Earth, um, I think there's a sense, and you talk about you allude to this about the theories in the book, scientific theories, and I think conservatives, because they are kind of wanting to be considered in the cool crowd, the idea that we should constantly be pushing back and demand that science prove itself even further um and not rely on models uh or question the modeling which is done uh allows things that enter into society that aren't entirely uh, true or accurate because we allow most people don't think about modeling and the potential for it to be wrong and how that could change stuff especially on large models and so whether it's big bang or i just had someone on talking about uh, the serotonin level in the brain and whether that's measurable or not you know all of these things we should stop and go hey how do we actually know that and to what degree is certain we we know that. And I don't think, conser- I think conservatives again, um, aren't really pushing the needle because the, the the fear of being considered fringe. And it's not to say you dismiss all science. It's to say that to continue to push the burden of proof is something that I think conservatives should reconsider.
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, and I think that a, a lot of, present debates really skim over the surface of a lot of more foundational issues within philosophy of science and epistemology in general. So, I mean, this is something that, uh, you know, Kant has pointed out, you know, in um, the prolegomena to any future metaphysics, there's something, you know, human and company, uh, you know, any, any assumption of naive empiricism is going to have to help itself to uh, certain non-empirical uh, assumptions. Uh, and then even the entire project of science at all, you know, it has a tension within it that says all scientific claims are provisional. Oh, by the way, this is the settled science. Well, what makes something settled science? So, you know, the, the entire project, and this is something uh, Paul Fire, Arbind, uh, Amir Lagatosh uh, have both pointed out, uh, Thomas Kuhn to an extent. Um, so the, the philosophy of science itself, I think, is – uh, rushed over and neglected entirely, when a lot of people on the left and right just help themselves to to, to like to the science that like Neil deGrasse Tyson saying something, and, and there's there's an entire set of underlying uh, philosophy of science presuppositions that, that no one's even regarding. You know, there's just the here's just the naive empiricism set of facts. It's like that's that's actually not what how philosophy of science operates.
0: Yeah, and we had on. Um, I'll link to this in the show notes. Patricia Farah from Cambridge um, back on episode fifty-seven, and talking about the history of scientists. And and uh, I think she's going to be more left to center. Um, but her point was is that you shouldn't view scientists as these altruistic people who have no agendas or biases or motivations. They are all getting funding from somewhere, and you should mm-hmm. question. I think that's that's the core. Uh, thing that has to be brought into this as well is that, are, you know, who's funding this research and does that is that skewing what's going on?
1: Yeah, yeah, sir And then, I mean, when you you expand that idea to the macro level, you know, the, this it really destroys the notion, or potentially destroys the notion of, of values neutral science at all. You know, I mean, like maybe everything's downstream from some some funder that wants a, a particular result, or or at least there's there's a nudging in that direction for to for the, the scientists to chase the funding and the, the, the data and the evidence to be handmade into the funding and not the other way around. And Absolutely. I think we, we've seen, you know, you obviously see this, yeah. With, with climate stuff or, or with, um, you know, the standard American diet.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So we got just a few minutes left here. Let's talk about maybe um, folks who listen to this goes, Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> there go. Read the book and they are go. Well, what do we do? Like, where do we go? Is this, is the end nigh? Is there hope? Um, you mentioned these kind of fractional societies earlier. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what should be the goal here? Is reconciliation an option?
1: Give us your thoughts. So we, we do hedge a bit in, in a couple spaces. So we do acknowledge that not every college and not every space is totally corrupted. So we do note certain places like the the Newman List, which is a set of you know Aristotelian uh, Christian universities, Hillsdale, the academies, uh you know some, some other small places that are not woke so we you know offer that as if you if you really want to go to college and here here's some places that aren't totally ideologically subverted people want to be doctors or or engineers or or veterinarians okay sure that you know, you're going to need that credentialing so so we we acknowledge that as well Um, But we tell them, once again, you know, pick your programs very carefully because even medicine, you know, medicine particularly is now being overtaken uh, by the gender stuff, at least. Uh, And then we encourage people that might not might not really want to go to college or or, or reason why. But they just they've just been scared into thinking it. We say, look, go to the trades, go to the trades, you know, work with your hands. Uh, that requires competency and intelligence and, and an entire skill set onto itself. And that can be lucrative and you can start a family early without taking on all this debt. Uh, so, these, you know, these are sort of the options that that we, we present, you know, that, that isn't full scale opt out of everything.
0: Right. And there is a website called uh, sweaty startup com. I'll link to that in the show notes, which has a list of a bunch of businesses that you can start. Actually, my son, 14. Uh, he goes to a classical Christian school, so he's getting Latin and Greek and Hebrew and can do all this stuff that yeah. you will know, be on me. But he's actually, um, he's the minority owner of the business that we start together. And his goal is to either, A, I told him, um, if you don't want to be a doctor, engineer, whatever, then mm-hmm. there's no way to go to college. Um, and so if you're not going to college, you might as well work for yourself. Um, because most jobs, um, or you can just kind of transfer from industry to industry to see the bit of specialties. Um, yeah. And so he's actually preparing to become an entrepreneur and if he doesn't want to be an entrepreneur then he's gonna go to college but he can only go to college for very a very short listed amount of things because there's no reason to go to business school i mean i'm I'm sorry yeah there's there's just no reason to go to business school um i mean very few cases but uh so we got the idea and he and me and him go on a junk removal business and gutter cleaning and pressure washing and so that's what we do and so uh, on the side and so um it's good training for him so for those out there listening this is something you can actually do with your kids before they graduate high school and it's a good time for father and son. Uh, my daughter's getting into baking. And so it's good stuff for them to learn, teach some work ethic, how to deal with customers. Uh, so all those mm-hmm. things that you can train that no offense to college professors, but most of them, he's going to have more experience than they will by the time he graduates high school.
1: Yeah. And he'll be a, a human being, like a human being. That's a generalist across, <laughs> not just this, this narrow, like in- insect person, you know, right. quote, R- Robert Heinlein. Yeah.
0: Okay. okay. All right. Um, Let's see here. We're going to send
1: people, obviously, to buy the book, don't go to college.
0: But where else do you want to send them to?
1: Uh, so you can check out my work uh, at uh, michaelroblart.com and uh, my co-author, Timothy Gordon, at uh, TimothyJGordon.com. And uh, he has a, a, a program, uh, Rules for Retrogrades. is his podcast. Mine's called the, the Patriot Philosopher. And you can also find me on Substack.
0: I've got all of that here. The show notes will be at com. We'll link to that below as you listen to this podcast. Just click there. All of these links will be there, easy for you to find. It was great talking to you today. Same here. Good. Thank
1: oh. you. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, sorry I cut out there. Um, but yeah, it's good stuff.
0: Okay, there it is. What do you think? Do you think that the progressives are ruining the institution that is the university academia, or is it overhyped? Let me know in the newsletter. RyanRaySenior.com slash newsletter is where you can join the conversation.